This episode is brought to you by Patreon, specifically the Comic Pop Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash comic pop and find out more about how you can keep the lights on here at Comic Pop. And don't worry, we've got plenty of fun rewards, including early access to videos and weekly updates about what's happening here at the studio. That's patreon.com slash comic pop. All right, let's get on with the show now. Sweeping down upon the underworld to smash gangland comes the friend of the unfortunate, enemy of criminals. A mysterious, all-powerful character, a problem to the police. What a crusade of law. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Elseworlds Exchange. I am, of course, Sal, and with me, as always, is Joel from Cape Joel. Check out Joel for more Joelness. Absolutely, hell yeah, I agree. That's a that's a damn good intro. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Best Joel, uh, better Joel than the MST3K Joel, big time. The dumb Tish. Uh, so yeah, well, to... I, I actually started watching a little of that. I actually started watching the new MST3K. Oh on yeah, Netflix. man, is that like a gut punch of a show? I hate it. Like you wouldn't believe, I, I had the feeling you did from your tweets. It that was you real were bad. It was just really disappointing. Um, it was like it was it was like Joel never saw any MST3K after he left, <laughs> which is like not like that as much as it is definitely that. So thanks, Joel, you colossal douchebag. <laughs> It's true. You can never go home again. I don't want him. I didn't want a home in the first place. I liked Mike. <laughs> oh, you, you, you were pro. I, I know that's a big thing. Like, I'm not that much into MST3K, but I know there's a big divide. There is. The Joel people and the Mike people. The funny thing is, I'll say this about the new show. Uh, we're talking about MST3K, by the way, uh, season 11 on Netflix right now. Um, the fact is, for us, uh, for me anyway... I was a big Mike fan. I got into the show through the movie, I think. Right. Like through, the, through the, you know, the Gramercy movie. And then I saw the show when it was resuscitated on the Sci-Fi channel, which is, of course, like the, my, my favorite version of the show. But when I desperately wanted more MST3K, the only way I could get it was through, like, old VHS tapes. So I would get mm. old tapes. And sometimes you didn't know if Joel was in it or not. So i just randomly get episodes that had Joel in them. And mm. even though I preferred Mike... The Joel episode still had value, even though Tracy Bilyeu still played Crow, even though I preferred Bill Corbett. I, the the old Joe show, Joel show, still worked and was still funny. This show with Jonah is just garbage. Like I don't like Jonah. He sounds interchangeable with uh, Tom Servo, who was also replaced. The guy That's who plays a Crow sounds. I hear a lot that he, you know the the brand of humor from the three isn't as diverse as it used to be that they just sound like the same 20-something snarky movie guy. Well, and they sound they have the same voice. So it's like I don't know who's talking half the time. And they also made like weird cosmetic changes to the robots. It's just it's a really disappointing you can never go home again type mm -hmm. of situation where it's like don't bring it back. I thought I wanted it back. Rift Tracks is all I need at this point. So, anyway, uh, we're talking about Marvel today, guys. <laughs> Um, Not to put you on a weird tangent, but I felt a lot of that needed to be said. It needed to be said. Uh, actually, a friend of the show, Brad Geiger, uh, said something like, I've been trying to like this show, and it's just so damn bad. And I'm like, yes! Thank you! Uh, but yeah, I needed to say it out loud. But anyway, today we're going to talk about Marvel. Um, a lot of people have been arguing that Marvel is kind of like astray, lost its way a little bit. Um, despite the fact that like there might be some... like this, As they say, the, sh the sun shines on a dog's ass some days. Uh, you know, mm. sometimes, regardless of the business practices and the publishing practices of a group, some great stuff can happen. And the fact is, Marvel isn't new at making good comics. They've made oh, yeah. some good stuff. Um, but 
for me, you know, and I, and I think a lot of people would are, would agree that, like, um, I was about to call it Rebirth, the Generations and uh, Legacy are kind of like a step in the right direction. Definitely. But for me, it feels hollow because nothing has actually changed. So true. It feels hollow, and I worry, too, seeing what we've seen with them kind of changing around X-Men. I might have mentioned this on the weekly poll this week. I don't want them to half-ass a legacy or a Generations for Marvel the same way they're kind of, like, half-assing the X-Men right now. That's the thing, is that, like, Marvel is in this weird position where they loved... Uh, Mar- they they loved the X Men for a while. The X Men were their darlings. Then Fox uh, kind of like made it obvious they weren't going to relinquish the rights or or share them or whatever. Whatever the behind the scenes nonsense is that nobody really truly knows. And don't let anyone tell you different. If anybody says what it is, they really don't know because they've only gotten like tweets and hearsay. Uh, but the fact is, because we don't really know what's going on back there, but we do know at least that there, as far as publicly, there is no deal between Marvel Studios and, and X Men or and, and Fox. Um, that those powers above one, the one above all, so to speak, has kind of decreed that uh, that like insistence on Fox properties won't be as uh, won't be given preference, and yeah. uh, and and, and they kind of let the let those franchises go by the wayside. Some of them have been con- uh, canceled outright, yep. and only like movers and shakers like Bendis are allowed to use them. Oh yes. Uh, so it, it feels weird that because there has been no change. Uh, in the contract or in the issues with that the one above all has had with, and we're talking about Ike Perlmutter, who like is the president of Marvel. Um, yeah. He uh, because his opinion hasn't changed because the deal hasn't changed between the two studios. There's no reason to assume that everything is is copacetic, and there's no reason to assume that like a, a, a change in the winds won't. Call him, won't cause him to show up in Marvel Studio or Marvel's like publishing offices and say, "I'm unhappy with this again." And like, even though you finally fixed the X Men, break it again, make it ha- like, you know, <laughs> like take it. Like, I don't care. I, I just saw I just saw a, a solicitation that says the X Men are going to be integral to the battle against Thanos. Uh, no. And you know, just kind of like what? It just not on my watch. Not on my watch because I am grumpy about like. Not getting a few cents out of a billion dollar check. Um, I have I have lots of money, but I could be having all the money. I could have a little more. I could have a comparatively smaller amount of money if if someone were to relinquish a metric ton of it. I just want another golden boat. Is that too much to ask? Yeah, right. And you really deserve one. So my point being, uh, because there, even though Marvel is cosmetically making some changes that people want to see, it feels like at any moment the rug could be taken out from under them and oh, yeah. there, there hasn't been really any shift in, edit, in editorial in, in, in the executive branch none of the major even just line of thinking, if anything from what we've heard when they're talking to the diamond distributors and anything, it's almost as if their thinking has gone back or not changed at all. It's true yeah, like there's been there, there has been no significant change so it's it just, we're not stupid and we live in an information information age where we all know who's in charge. We can see what's happening. You know, the Jim Shooter years, when Jim Shooter used to be in charge of Marvel, Mm -hmm. we didn't know how miserable all the creators were until well after the fact. Oh yeah, that he ran that place with an iron fist. And apparently he was a real pain in the ass about it. Now that said, some of those books were pretty freaking great, but... It was was a true golden time for comics, and you know what? They all came out on time, too. Shooter 
as much as you might love or hate him, cracked the whip and fixed the chronic lateness problem, which is becoming a problem again in yeah. modern Marvel. It's true. But uh, but so, all right. Uh, my our, our idea came from, actually, a bolt from the blue, if you will, speaking of shooter era uh, references. Um, but uh, I was in bed, I think it was 2, 2.30 in the morning, and I had just finished editing off the rack, and I was just lying there, and suddenly I had this, like, thought, because I was like, we, we did an episode of Elseworlds Exchange where we talked about, like, kind of like, what would we do if we were put in charge of DC? Which was very off-the-cuff and very fan-casty and very fun, too. It was very fun, yeah. I had a whole list of, of, of titles I wanted to see, so I thought it'd be only fair. Uh, so, the idea being... I thought, like, how if if let's say like magic happened and I was put in charge of Marvel, what, how would I how would I address the publishing problem? How would you, I address? You, you made a blood sacrifice to the right dark god, and now you have been given this power. And it really had to be like it has to be prefaced with that because it had like I don't want anyone to misconstrue like that. I think that I'm going to be put into Marvel in some way, or that I think that by making a podcast about it, Marvel's going to take my idea and change it. Mm. It's literally just fantasy, and it's just kind it's of fantasy spitballing. baseball. But with it's, comics. It's fantasy baseball with comics. It's almost like it's D and D, but uh, you know. But there's let, no. Let, let's roll for this. Let me grab my dice out of my. But I got, I've got back. weighted dice because everything that is happening is just stuff that I that I made up myself. Uh, <laughs> so I had this like concept, and it's been it hasn't been field tested. It hasn't been put through a simulation, but we're going to put it through the simulation in as much as we're going to talk about it. And so I thought, like, let's address how can we fix Marvel? What could we do if I were put in charge of Marvel? And, and and the second thing that I had to do was hire Joel to come up with all the titles. <laughs> in an act of pure looking out for your friends, hey, Joel, you want a job? Exactly. At two in the morning, to which I'm like, yeah, I'm still awake, still working on videos. I am all for this idea. It would, liter it. It would literally have been a situation where, there, where like a genie is like, you can fix Marvel, Marvel, but you have 24 hours. And it's like, oh, shit, okay, uh, I need somebody who has, who will, who in 12 hours will give me a pitch for 16 comics. You, it's funny, you wrote me, and I'm like, that's a great idea. I'll get to work on that tomorrow. Well, I'm waiting for a video to finish rendering an hour later. Oh, man, I've got 16 amazing books right now. So so literally, at uh, 2.30 in the morning, I grab my phone, I go, Joel, this is the show. And then I, I, I just copied all the stuff from my Google Keep, and then I just sent it to him. This is the publishing plan. You're in charge of the creative. And, nice. and leave me like one or two titles because I might want to come up with something on my own uh, so he's like okay so here it goes this is this is if we were in charge the, the question is that we're asking is can we fix Marvel Comics and the title of the episode is let's fix Marvel Comics let's fix it what can Let, we do let's call it the Elseworld initiative let's exactly. call it that the exactly. Elseworld brand you put a little EE in the corner yeah so okay my concept is not too dissimilar from the Rebirth approach in as much as there needs to be a singular vision with like-minded people at the top levels. And I'm not talking about, like, Ike Perlmutter. Let's pretend that either he's not there anymore or he was visited by three ghosts <laughs> in the night. <laughs> and he just like. lightened up. Uh, but the, the fact is, you know, he doesn't really control creative as much as he says, like, except for the parts where he's just like don't do this do this you know but he doesn't go like hey what about a book about this you know it's he's not the big idea guy he's the he's the money man right. so uh but but everything else we can have some kind of change over so the idea is like how about we get a singular vision some one perspective in there and i guess it's kind of just me 
so, but I don't. But I'm not so arrogant as to assume that I know what I'm doing or I have the best ideas. And the best thing that a person who's put in charge can do is surround themselves with smarter and more creative people than themselves. And that's why a Better I talked to Tiffany, and that's why business. b I talked to Joel. So, uh, what we're gonna do is so I the, my idea is we're gonna. To start, for the first year of Marvel Comics, we're going to break Marvel into four pieces, four arms of Marvel. And what, what I basically did was, and four was an arbitrary number, originally it was three, and then I thought, oh shit, I actually need a fourth. And they just coincidentally they happened, yeah, they actually coincidentally became alliterative. So, we're breaking Marvel into four chunks. The Marvel publishing arm, by the way, has nothing to do with cartoons, movies, uh, you know, internet stuff. We're just doing the books. If I just gotten put in charge of Marvel Comics Publishing House, what are we gonna do? I'm breaking Marvel into four chunks: Street, Sky, Space, and Supernatural. So mm-hmm. we have these four worlds. It used to be. I remember when reading back in the day. You know, there used to be like the Spider editors and the Mutant editors and the Street level editors. So it's kind of like that, where we're just lo- we're looking at the Street level, the Sky level, the Space level, and the Supernatural. Now, what does that mean? Uh, it's the four pillars of a superhero universe. It's the four pillars of the Marvel Universe. The street level, obviously characters like Luke Cage or Spider-Man or Daredevil. Uh, Fight crime, they're killable. They're, they, they're, have to, they, they maintain secret identities, a lot yeah, of them. Typically, identi- secret identities, they can be killed. They usually have some kind of really significant tether to humanity. Um, they usually have like a schlubby like, type of work-a-day job, or at least a blue-collar job. They, mm-hmm. they, they work in the dirt of the Marvel Universe. So, uh, and each of these arms, or these realms, as I call them, uh, have some supervising editor in charge of them, and their job is not necessarily to come up with the ideas, but to wrangle the ideas and focus them towards a common goal. Creative godfathers, if you will. Precisely. Which is why some of these names might sound familiar, and why it might concern you, but don't forget that their job isn't to come up with the ideas. Their job is to wrangle and to uh, to, to, to help maintain focus. Uh, by the way, each realm of this uh, publishing arm, Street, Sky, Space, and the Supernatural, have four books under their titles. So, Marvel publishes, let's say, 46 titles right now. We're dropping it to 16 titles a year. That's sixteen Good, monthly, solid number. Sixteen monthly books with four kind of larger ideological concepts of the Marvel Universe. So right now we're reducing the amount of books we're doing, but we're also going to be f- focusing them into their kind of spheres of influence. And I'm sure there can be crossover and, and, and uh, interchangeability. Obviously continuity and the shared universe is a big factor in Marvel and something I do not want to lose. Um, Definitely. So, with Street... I put Bendis in charge of Street. Why did I put Bendis in charge of Street, even though Bendis ruined the Guardians of the Galaxy for a lot of people? (laughs) Because Bendis is a big idea guy, because Bendis is a long-standing creative, and the dude cares about story, and he gets character. He knows he knows crime. He knows neo noir. He wrote some of the best years of Daredevil. He wrote stellar Jessica Jones. He knows the players. He knows the field. Exactly. I don't think he can fuck it up too hard. Exactly. I'm not putting him in charge of uh, of space. Obviously, dude doesn't care about space, but he does. He gets the gritty street level New Yorker or or Washington D.C. or uh, you know. San Antonio. He, like, he gets he heroes gets home lives. That's another thing That's the other he thing. gets. He focuses on the, the, the smaller picture characters. So, 
Bendis is in charge of Street. Sky. Sky is an interesting factor because it's like, what does that mean necessarily? You debated a... this. I, I had to write to him like, okay, what does Sky entail? Because to me, like, is that anyone who can fly? Because there's a lot of right? people who can fly. No, Sky is the superheroes who stand for a more ideological idea. These are characters public that... Figures. The public figures. The Avengers type characters. We're talking about Captain America, Thor, Iron Man. Well, coincidentally, two-thirds of them can fly. We're also talking about characters that f usually the street level or the regular guy sees. You know, either... Or, or, or aspires to be. These Literally are the... to be looked up to. Celebrity enough that people can say, hey, look, up in the sky, it's Iron Man. It's exactly. Hulk, it's whoever. It's whoever. And the best part about these realms, by the way, is that just because you immediately associate, let's say, Spider-Man with Street, right, doesn't mean that next year he wouldn't be Sky. Because exactly. maybe after your year-long story, Spider-Man winds up becoming something greater or he he winds up being thrust into this more public role and then the editor of sky gets to run uh, gets to control the spider books so it's, it's kind of like developmental in sports you do really well down here then next year we'll move you up to a higher echelon and exactly or if the creator themselves wants to go in that direction they're like i have a i have a good i have a good sky pitch for spider-man that kind of concept mm -hmm. uh who am i putting put in charge of sky the only guy who knows marvel's legacy and knows those characters in and out and can tell you a story that'll make you cry but also make you believe and that's kurt Busick. putting love it what, what has he been up to recently right uh i don't know not a lot He's such an untapped resource. Why isn't he doing something for someone? I completely agree. Um, and there's that. The thing is, a lot of people could have been in charge of Sky, but I think Kurt Busiek, the dude who wrote Earth X and the dude who get who, who wrote Avengers Forever, gets it and knows what he's doing. And he's again, head on his shoulders again, the sure. dude can just and yep. Somebody heard the crack, crack uh, coax here. Uh, but Kurt Busiek is the kind of guy who's like, ooh, you know who wouldn't do that. Thor, you can't do that. Or like, mm -hmm. ooh, I would recommend you do this. Or have you considered that idea? Boom. So Busick's in charge of Sky. Next arm is Space. Space speaks for itself. Guardians of the Galaxy kind of thing. Uh, the Shi'ar, Brood, that kind of thing. Whatever mm -hmm. the... I didn't... And look, I just said Space and I just let Joel run with it. It's, it's, it's a very broad thing and I definitely put some on here where it's like, are they technically Space? Well, they can be and they have been in the past and maybe they should be again. Like, uh, about 25 years ago, the X-Men would have been Space. That kind of Absolutely. thing. Absolutely. They so, spent a lot of fucking time. The Phalanx, you know, everyone who loves from Annihilation, they, they started in X-Men. Yeah. So, uh, and, and while I was thinking about like the bigger ideas like Dan Abnett could have been in charge of space uh, yes, I felt even. like it was kind of obvious so I went with Al Ewing because Al Ewing understands he, he's a good idea because he is taking Marvel's cosmic in directions that people haven't quite seen before mm -hmm. and I feel like if he were given more creative freedom and the promise that what he did stuck and mattered, yeah. he'd get to go completely crazy with it. And, and he's a workhorse, too. And he's a workhorse. Dude knows what he's doing. And and, he, and because he's not in charge of a book, he's in charge of helping to, to, to focus everybody, uh, he'd get to play with bigger ideas without having to worry about, like, oh, shit, I gotta get a script done. You know, like Definitely. just, just he'd be he he would probably be the hardest editor to work for just because he'd be like, oh yeah, he'd be like he'd be everywhere. He'd be like, oh, how's that book doing? Like I just talked to you like twenty minutes ago. He's like, yeah, Super but I got excited. Detail oriented, you can tell from his stuff. Yeah, and, and he knows uh, teams and he knows other stuff. Right, and uh, finally, Supernatural was an idea was an afterthought because I was like, oh shit, where's Ghost Rider gonna go? Right, <laughs> Supernatural, <laughs> and uh, I, because 
what's his name? Uh, because Neil Gaiman made a deal with Marvel recently, and because he sold to Angela, and because we were supposed to see some Miracle Man's kind of stuff, I put Neil Gaiman in charge of uh, in charge of Supernatural. And by the way, again, the dude can't be trusted to write a script all the time, so just put him in charge of the publishing house. So it's like people go to him and they say. Gaiman, I, I want to do this thing with Sleepwalker. I want to do a big story. Boom. Neil Gaiman just says, just gives him the idea, gives him the thought. He's like, let me think about it for a day or two, and then I'll get back to you. That kind of thing. So, boom. Another guy who knows story, knows character, knows how all the pieces fit together. Exactly. They're all they're all direct. They're all um, focused creatives who can go in a singular direction and who have who have earned our trust and our confidence. That too. They're also very like noteworthy. Sorry, they also have um, integrity, and they care about what they're doing, so they'll mm. fight for things, they'll argue, they'll, they'll, they'll push, and they'll kind of be right about it. Which is what you want in a, like, creative godfathers. Yeah. Now, like I said, boom, so you got these four pillars of the Marvel Universe, Street, Sky, Space, Supernatural, and each one of those has four titles, so you got 16 titles in total that we're going to be publishing on a month-to-month basis. But that, but... The, we don't have 16 characters and some of those groups have to be t- have to be team books what about yes, those it, characters that are guaranteed sales but we don't have a place for them in the publishing line i took that into effect when i did this in fact for every tier that i put together i wanted one standout team for that tier to be representative of them also be like hey if your favorite character didn't get a book should really read the team book because we're going to be cycling people in. They're going to be having adventures. You're going to get a chance to see them. And if the response is good, maybe they'll get spun out into something. In fact, in many cases, I kind of made the mentor-mentee thing also affect a lot of these books that I chose to put together because that's a thing Marvel has now. They got their older classic heroes. They got a whole generation of younger heroes that a ton of good work has been put in. You don't want those characters falling by the wayside. You need them to stay in the zeitgeist. It's true. And uh, I had another answer for that. By the way, I'll get to that in a second. The uh, The idea here is that each, uh, each realm has a year-long plan and a direction. Mm. So... Rather than have, like, we have a singular voice, we have a singular idea, that's me, I guess, who's like, we're going in this direction, but each of the editors or overseers of their realms have this concept that they're like, okay, I want to, I kind of want to go in this direction for this realm, and uh, this could be a small thing, this could be a big thing, it could be like, I want, but the, the, the concept is basically, I want to, at the end of the year, a year of publishing, at the end of that year, I want us to get from point A to point B. And point mm. A could, to point B could be, I want these characters to grow. Or I want yes. these characters to be a year older. Or I want these characters to be dead. Or or <laughs> or, or, or in the dumpster. Or, you know, or, or broken. Retired or, or retired. Or I want them to be bigger and better. And I want to move them over there. Or something. But you have to have a direction that you feel every day or every month or every bi-weekly period that you're buying comics, you're reading this book and you're thinking to yourself, shit, where's this going? Mm-hmm. And you know in your head that it is going somewhere because we've told you when, when we had our big summit meeting uh, that this is the plan in a direction. So even, like, every, and you're also, when you're reading your comic, you're also thinking to yourself, like, what does that mean? You know, you're reading and then you're rereading. You know, you're enjoying the story for what it is, but you also know that deep underneath the surface, it's going in a direction. 
And so you're thinking that their offhanded comment could mean something. It could have ramifications Definitely. for the year-long story. Um, DC's doing that really well in Rebirth, everything relating to the button and the Watchmen and the missing 10 years. Exactly. Else. They're still talking about that three Joker thing. All we know is that the the chair says there were three Jokers. We still have not seen anything, and everybody is drawing from every freaking angle to possibly solve this mystery. Yep. And you're looking at that from four different perspectives. Four different publishing pillars of Marvel, or four different pillars of Marvel, are going in a singular, linear direction. And you don't know what that is, and I don't know either, but I'm just telling you, like, this is the concept. So, the other thing is, creators that are working in that realm have an opt-in, opt-out opportunity at the inception. When you come in, you're brought in to work on this book, hey, we're going in this direction. All of, all, like, this realm you're, you're going to be writing for, it's going in this one direction. Mm. Do you want in, or do you want to do your own thing? If you want to go in then your book will be integrally tied to the direction that this thing is going in. If not, we will do everything in our power to avoid your book being part of the of, of the wave that is going in that direction. Cuz we don't want to like hamstring people, but we also want to include you if you feel in, if you if you if you uh, have a big idea or if your character is big for the story. Definitely. So, we got that as well. Then I was like, okay, what are we going to do about the other characters that don't necessarily have their own book. And I've got that covered because it's something I've been touting forever, and it's mm -hmm. the graphic novel section. That's like the fifth unspoken pillar of Marvel. Excellent idea. The graphic novel section. We're going to approach it kind of like Earth 1, or if you want to talk about Marvel, Season 1. But basically, yes. I want to take high-profile creators who have big idea pitches who will be considered and approved by a graphic novel editor, their own overseer, who I nominate, Mark Wade. Because the dude Excellent has been editor-in-chief of his own comic book company. And Mark Wade knows story, and again, he has the experience of resume, and he gets these characters. But Mark Wade's the, the, the editor of the graphic novel section. I saw this as an excellent way, too, to bridge the gap between a lot of stories that never finished and also just do cool concepts with characters who might have new stuff coming out soon. Exactly. And uh, depending on what realm the characters that are being written about in the graphic novels fall under, the supervisor of that realm might uh, is, is given the opportunity to review and read the pitch of the graphic novel. They can pop their head in to decide whether or not that graphic novel takes place before, during, or after the year-long plan. That Excellent way... Idea. And by the way, they don't say, oh, that doesn't work, that won't work in my plan. You just say, that takes place before or after my year-long plan. Or mm -hmm. you can say, actually, that can fit in right here, and I can work on that because I know about that graphic novel, which I've read already because it's already done, it's already being, it's already written, or the pitch is already done. I can fold that in before the books are even, pub are, are even published before the year's out. And I'll be sure to drop a reference in there somewhere to be and like, can, "Hey, this takes place after." I can fold in that graphic novel so it so it so it it either it either does work and it does matter or it doesn't and it's still just a great work on itself. This way, when you announce these titles and you say like, let's say, uh, I don't know, whoever you have great, I'm sure you have a great pitch for a graphic novel um, or a oh, number I've of graphic novels. But somebody <laughs> say like, somebody comes in, and he's like, "I got this graphic novel," and they're like, "We're doing this original." self-contained graphic novel here it is it's coming out in the fall and they go hey is that gonna fall under the year-long initiative of blah the interviewer or the interviewee rather can say definitively yes or no it's not it's its own thing or actually i can tell you definitively it will take place after this year-long initiative this mm -hmm. way you can answer that question because here's the thing that marvel can't 
Marvel can't do. They love to have their cake and eat it too, and as much as they sure do, they have their continuity and they have their shared universe. But there are so many conflicting issues because they publish so many mm-hmm. freaking books and because they don't have anybody paying attention or caring about it. That you have it already look, established. Look at Thanos right now. Oh my god! Like when does this take place? Who's it? Like what is Thanos happening? Thanos has been in like five different places in five different books when he really shouldn't be. Exactly. So, uh, but you have. You have the ability to say definitively, yes, this is when it happens. This is when it takes place. This is where it ma- this is, this does affect the year-long initiative. Um, even though they don't necessarily have any control over what's happening in the graphic novel, they at least have the ability to say it matters or it's part of the initiative. So that the graphic novels themselves, maybe they'll sell uh, because people are trying because collectors who we've already got. That's the thing is that. You're publishing books for the wrong market. You're trying to publish books for creators or, or collectors. Collectors are buying books whether they, whether you know whether they're good, bad, or or matter. You know they're buying them because they're completists or because they're collectors. Um, in this matter, you're appealing to collectors by saying it does take place within this one continuity, but you're also appealing to the person who just likes stories and just wants to do that. So, True. boom, you're just uh, so your graphic novels are a separate entity, but they don't have to be. So. Uh, they're basically five pillars of the of the Marvel of, of the Marvel publishing line, and that's the idea. Um, and if, oh, by the way, uh, characters that are not included in the current monthly schedule will be given preferential treatment in the graphic novel section. Mm, yes, that's a good idea. So I like, it's like there's a because when I was building my Avengers team. I wanted a wild card for it, but I'm like, oh, well, maybe this guy, maybe this guy. Well, okay, anyone who I don't give it to gets a graphic novel then. Exactly, because the thing is, like, we got a Spider-Man book. It's coming out monthly. Uh, we're not going to flood the market with Spider-Man books. We're not, or we're not going to flood the market with Wolverine books. Um, but if, like, let's say Iron Man gets left out of the shuffle, right? Even though we should be publishing an Iron Man book... He didn't make it into the publishing line. And because we're only selling 16 books a month instead of 40 freaking six, we mm. will sell all 16 books. That's um, the thing. People might actually want to read these. People might actually be able to afford to buy all of these. And if there's some people who are like, I will not because Iron Man is not in it. Guess what? Wait three months, there's a graphic novel coming out. And it'll cost the same amount as four issues. Because that's mm. how much graphic novels cost. Graphic novels are like 25, 15 bucks, 15, 25 bucks. And when you drop the the price line down to two ninety nine, three ninety nine an issue, that's not bad. And yeah, you're ma- you're, you're still making in your money. So, anyway, that's the concept. That's the conceit. That's where we're coming from with our with our publishing line. Now I've counted on Joel to come up with something, and I actually asked Tiffany to come up with something as well. And she's got nice. a she's got a supernatural pitch, which we'll we'll fold in when we get to supernatural. So Joel, I can't wait to hear it. Uh, I talked the into- for the last thirty one minutes. Now it's your turn. Let's That's hear fine. what's gonna come out under Mo- and, and we got to come up with a with a with a publishing name for this, by the way. Um, but I have no con like you know what I mean like like Marvel Pillar or something like that. I don't know. But we'll come uh, up with something. Pillars is nice. I mean, you could also do what DC Rebirth is kind of doing. You could go back and borrow old names. Like, what's stopping us from calling Street the Marvel Knights imprint? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's fine with me. I mean, uh, I guess the publishing initiative, this plan, I'll call it, right now I'll call it Marvel Foundation. There you go. And we'll uh, and we'll go from there. <laughs> Just to be really douchey, we should put our own names in there. The Marvel Elseworld Initiative. It's like ah, but Elseworlds is really confusing if you put that in there. Yeah, it's too it's too DC. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but yeah. So uh, let's hear it. What's where? What realm are we going to start in first? 
Well, uh, I mean, let, let's start from the bottom to the top. You know, let's let's start from the bottom, then we'll be here. All right. As as Drake, a famous Canadian, once said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so starting with Street, obviously, when you asked me to put together a Street initiative, I could not think of any other hero to start with than the Punisher, of course. Mm, okay. Well, the Punisher. The, here's my thing for the Punisher. We have him, but we're bringing him back home to New York from this. The Punisher hasn't actually been in New York for a couple of years now. He was in L.A. Uh, when – oh, God, what's his name? He doesn't work in comics anymore, was writing him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't remember who you're talking about. but Oh, what the fuck was his name? He was the guy – he wrote Red Wolf for a bit as well too. Oh, yeah. There was a big scandal around him, but no one would actually say anything. Then he stopped writing comics, so I yeah. guess the scandal might have been true. <laughs> mm, I don't know. Uh, was that uh, Nathan Edmondson? Yes, that's the one. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, Becky Cloonan is writing The Punisher right now, and it's good. I enjoy it. Yeah. But again, he's not in New York. He's not in his element. He's kind of all over the world right now. Bring him back home. Bring him back to New York is what my uh, what my marching order would be for that. And for a creative team, give it to two old hands who know hard-boiled, who also were very uh, instrumental in the original Marvel Knights and in the resurrection of Marvel the last time they hit a slump. Give it to Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Okay. Now and is... Just is Palmiotti draw, or drawing it, or is he is that uh, is he just writing? He would be he would be writing. Gray would be helping. Uh, I was gonna say Amanda Connor can draw. Wouldn't that be weird? An Amanda Connor drawn Punisher book. If you've ever read The Pro, you'll I see have read the Pro. It, it looks. I mean, like that's the kind of universe that I'm imagining, and it looks pretty solid. I would I would read the shit out of a Punisher drawn by Amanda Connor. So there you go. And because she's married to Palmiotti and Justin Gray is their frequent collaborator there, it's the Palmiotti-Connor family doing a Punisher book set back in New York doing just straight-up crime stories. Maybe not quite as, like, dark as the Ennis stuff, but at least like Marvel Knights. Yeah, you know, yeah. It, well, like, like Ennis's early work with his Welcome Back Frank era. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we're heading to the Welcome Back Frank era, you know, it's, you know, it's dark, it's messed up, it can be occasionally weirdly funny sometimes, I think Paul Miotti is able to capture that too, where it's almost like itchy and scratchy levels of violence. Totally. Can do that, and you know, you can bring back, you know, a bunch of characters who aren't dead, you know, you can bring back Barracuda and the Russian, and probably Jigsaw, you can do something oh, yeah. with him in this. Hey listen, Bendis put him into Infamous Iron Man this week. <laughs> Did he really? I didn't read that yet. He's in it. Oh my god. Bendis likes Jigsaw, because ben, uh, Bendis also used Jigsaw during his Daredevil run. Yes, he did. And let me tell you, well, it's because the hood is there, and he had he had Jigsaw in the hood chat. But uh, Oh, of course, because the hood with his, like, cadre of DNC listers yes. always gets the e-bite. Big time. So, okay, uh, as, far, as far as the four books being published under Street, one of them is Mainstay, probably the streetiest street hero, Hero, Vigilante. It's a, it's, it's a dark yet peppy-looking, it's a beautiful, fun-looking Punisher book. Definitely, and, and I even thought of it like a subtitle for it, The Punisher, The War at Home, because he's coming back home to New York. Okay, and, and I guess for the year-long endeavor, it's just Punisher kind of like seeking his roots and kind of getting back, seeding his roots, getting back into, uh, into New York. There's that, and then I also, remember the pitch I had a long time ago, in fact, someone made fan art of this. I want the Punisher to start coming upon crime scenes where a bunch of criminals have already been murdered, and up on the walls and up nearby, there's the Vietnamese character 
for punishment. And he's like, "Is do I have a copycat? Is someone around killing people in New York? Is someone stealing my shtick? And then we eventually tell the origins of the Vietnamese Punisher, the Viet Cong Punisher, who Frank met during the war. Although okay. I guess it can't be Vietnam anymore, can it? Because he'd be too old. He would be pretty old. You could make him, I mean, like, eh, it depends Desert on... Desert Storm 1. Yeah. It's still... Let's, let's... Yeah. Depends Change on how old you want to make Punisher, but yeah. Basically, I want to introduce a new villain who is a dark mirror to Frank Castle, who he met during the war. And the big thing is that this mystery villain is killing other criminals before Frank can get the chance to, basically trying to goad him into a conflict. Mm -hmm. Saying, you know, come come back to the place it all started. Come back to the place the Punisher was born. We never got to have our battle. Let's have war forever, you and me. Okay. And, and that's why it's called The War at Home. Where do you want Punisher to end up at the end? What's the... Uh... Uh, again, you know, basically, it's, it's a story of, like, you know, I'm pretty bad, but at least I'm not this guy. Okay. Like, this is, this is the true level of megalomania that could happen to me if I became this other guy. So it's almost like you, you have Punisher in kind of, like, a dark place in the beginning, and by the end, he's, like, his his, his kind of purpose is reawakened, but he's also kind of, yes. like, more okay with it. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's a reawakening of Punisher's purpose. It's like, you know what, yeah, th there will always need to be a Punisher because there will always be men like that in the world. Right on. But there will also be men like me. Okay, All right. I'm reading that. I'm buying that month to month now. Here we go. And, and of course, we can draw him to look like John Bernthal because he's got a Netflix series coming up, so Frank will magically start looking more like John Bernthal. Fine. I mean, like, like you, you make a chiseled jaw white guy with black hair and you're done. Like, it doesn't matter what Frank looks like as long as he looks like some variant on what he's been looking like forever. It's, it's true. He's the most no-frills in terms of costume. Does he have the skull on his shirt? Perfect. He can wear literally anything Literally, else. like, and yeah, that's my only provision. I'm like, okay, Joel, I'm going to take this pitch, but he's always, he has to have the Punisher logo that's fine and I appreciate and that. can i and can i make one edition just because i'm just a jackass and i have i'm drunk with power can i Please have do. at least one issue where he wears the old uniform with the white boots and the and the skull teeth uh ammo belt bandolier like just just one issue maybe where he needs to wear it something like that that's an excellent idea here's the thing this new mystery villain blows up his safe house which means punisher has to go really low-fi he has to get the battle van out of storage yes. where that old costume is and he has to wear that and drive around in it okay and like listen he can go through the shit and get it all torn up and then he has to like just throw on like a coat and just put some pants and he's like i don't know why i had a uniform originally but this is my uniform it's just the face of death but anyway yeah, yeah i'm down i'm all right you you like, it's funny what you find in your closet. Yeah, I like that. All right, let's do it. Do one of those stories. All right, what's what's next? What's next in the in the, in the lineup? Uh, keeping with the trend of street level and keeping with the trend of Bendis, uh, I have a Daredevil book, surprisingly. Makes he's sense. Doing, he's doing really big on Netflix right now. Another thing that kind of informed my choices when doing these books is I assumed a lot of these would be a reaction to Secret Empire, whatever that ends up being. And again, we're only a zero issue in. We don't know how it's going to end, but this is like my wheels turning in my head of how I think it's going to end yeah, and yeah. where I think a lot of characters are going to be. I call this pitch Daredevil Hell's Kitchen, and the idea is is that Hell's Kitchen was hit harder by the battles of Secret Empire more than any other borough in New York. It was basically steamrolled. And as we join the comic, Matt Murdock is digging through his dad's old gym, trying to find his trophies, trying to find his gloves and everything, because the area is just, it's been glassed, essentially. Okay. 
by Captain America and the Secret Empire. And he's like, you know what? I need to be more active again, not just as a superhero, but Matt Murdock needs to work harder than ever before to rebuild Hell's Kitchen, to rebuild my home. Maybe I don't want to be a lawyer for a year. Maybe I want to actually get involved in local politics because most successful politicians started as lawyers anyway. But basically, I'm I'm doing a thing on one of my favorite Judd Winnick runs with Green Arrow when he became mayor of Star City. Uh-huh. I kind of want to see Matt Murdock become mayor of Hell's Kitchen for maybe like a year to balance that and being a superhero and trying to help out again. And here's the other thing. He starts crusading because obviously – Hell's Kitchen needs to be rebuilt, right? Which brings in construction and Teamsters and the Mafia again and guys like Tombstone and the Kingpin and all these other guys are just salivating at the idea of all these no-show jobs and everything else that they can get going in Hell's Kitchen. But Matt's like, no, we will rebuild this place better than it ever was before and I will fight you tooth and nail to make sure okay. it goes that way and he fights like you know super villains on the street and he fights political corruption in the office too I like that um, now here's the question at the end of the year does he become mayor or does he go fuck being mayor this is stupid I'm, I, I need you to punch criminals in the face not like it doesn't work I'm not there yet. Okay. I don't know if he will ultimately be disillusioned with politics or if he'll keep up with it. Eventually, Green Arrow was disillusioned with politics and just didn't want to do it anymore. Okay. I wonder if Matt would be the same or if Matt would kind of stick with it longer than GA did. Okay. Well, that's enough of a that's enough of an idea that I say that is that is past. That is a member of the street. You got fifty percent of the street done. What's next? Okay, so again, keeping with the kind of Netflixy thing of it, because I mean that's basically what Netflix Marvel is. It's yep. Marvel Street level. I kind of fused two ideas on this one. At first, I wanted to do a Power Man and Iron Fist book because I love those characters. Naturally, to death. the only problem is they had a book and it was canceled, and now they're going to have a Luke Cage book and an Iron Fist book that will also probably be canceled. No doubt. I thought, well, let me go Defenders. But then I'm like, no, because we already have Daredevil on his own. He doesn't need to be on his own and have a team at the same time, especially if he's doing all this other stuff. So my pitch for the for the team side of the Street Universe is a brand new book I'm calling Defenders for Hire. Okay. Luke Cage and Danny Rand getting the band back together for the <laughs> Heroes for Hire. So you got Misty Knight, Colleen Wing, Jessica Jones, maybe even Elektra will stop by for a little <laughs> bit. White Tiger. And their deal is, is that, you know, after the Secret Empire decimated everything else, people need more help now than ever. People are eating each other in the streets. And so they need to call someone, and they're just having good old-fashioned A-team adventures. This this will be a little lighter than the other two because, right. you know, Danny's funny. You got funny characters in there. You got Luke Cage and Jessica Jones still trying to raise their kid through all of this. Okay. So you kind of have, like, the family side of it, too, and I think Bendis would do really well if he had a hand in that. Yeah, I think so. Um, now, okay, so it's Defenders, Heroes for Hire. Uh, is it is it one stable of, of a cast, or, is, or are they rotating? Or are the characters that will pop in and out? Will you see, like, a couple of cameos? Like, will Patsy Walker sh- like be a, be a guest, She-Hulk, that kind of thing? Or is it, like, it's, we're looking at this core group, like kind of like Exiles, we're looking at this one group of people through a microscope? I'm thinking, and this kind of goes for all my team books, it's the Trinity, it's Luke, Danny, Jess, and well, probably Misty too, so maybe the core four, and then we'll have people subbing in and out, and maybe like, Patsy Walker needs help on a case, so she reaches out to them, and they come and help her out, and then next week it's someone else who needs a hand. I was thinking too, the big thing they need to fight against is on top of everything that's wrong in New York, 
people in the city in like these low income areas have started developing iron fist powers out of nowhere. Oh, okay. People people are starting to weaponize their chi. And this gives Danny a thing of being like, oh, fuck, I guess I got to call up Kun Lun and see what the hell's going on here. Why Why is someone giving these people power? Nice. And that's like, is, that could be your mystery. Like, that could be your year-long mystery. Like, the pow- like, who is giving the power of the Iron Fist, that kind of thing. I think it would be a good way to maybe bring back uh, Davos, the Steel Serpent, and be like, yes, I've opened an evil foot-style dojo underground <laughs> in New York, and I'm training people in the dark Iron Fist to undo you, my most hated enemy, Danny Rand. And, you know, I, I've got a cool team of kung fu guys, and you got a team, and we're eventually going to clash at the end. Now, who is making this book? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, man, I really love David F. Walker. I think he really got screwed out of the book. I think he gets the comedy. He gets the family angle. I don't know how he would do with the magic stuff, but mm-hmm. I know he definitely got, like, the kind of exploitation movie angle. I'd probably give this one to Walker unless you had a better pitch. I mean, who's who's someone else who has history with the heroes for hire in these characters and who would be able to do a good job mm-hmm. with them? That's a good question. Uh, Christo's Gage, because I'd put him on anything. He's great. When he he'll just he would be like, okay, whatever you want me to do. <laughs> well, actually, no, that's even better because Christo's Gage worked on the Daredevil Netflix show. Okay, him and his wife. So that's put right, them that's both right. on that book. Now, uh, is Sammy drawing this, or are we getting somebody else? <laughs> mm, I mean, you could get him if you wanted to. He would be fun. Who, who's actually drawing that new Defenders book? Because that one actually looks pretty good. I assume it's Alonzo, or not Alonzo, uh, Maliev. Let me take a look. Because he's really good. Uh, it is... I don't know. It doesn't look like it's Maliev. It's somebody else. It's Bendis, who's going to be writing it. Now, who's the artist? Um, David Marquez. Hell yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, put Marquez on that. Because, again, if you look at the solicitations for that Defenders book, don't it look pretty? Yes. Oh, no. And Punisher's going to do a little cameo in that book, which I'm of really excited about. But, yeah, uh, okay, David Marquez and uh, and Christos Gage writing it. All right, I'll take that. I love, I'll love. i put David Marquez on anything. As long as his wife doesn't get pregnant again, I'm totally fine with it. Oh, <laughs> I forgot that happened. Yeah. So, okay, you got two solos and a team book. What's your fourth? Okay, I think everyone knew this had to be the fourth one. Spider-Man. Spider-Man, back to the streets. Yes, back to the... That's literally what I wrote. Oh, really? Back to the streets? I literally wrote Spider-Man equals back to the streets. Yay! Nice. God damn it, Sal. We've been working together too long. True. Finishing my thoughts. Now, what is is your pitch for Spider-Man? What are you going to fix him? So, Spider-Man lost everything at the end of Secret Empire. They're basically building up to this anyway. Yeah. He lost everything. He lost his company. He's at the lowest he's been in a very long time. He's had to move back in with Aunt May. So step one in that is I got to move out of my aunt's house. I'm goddamn 30 years old. <laughs> I, I had a company last week, Aunt May. Yeah. And she's like, oh, just eat your wheat cake, son. Okay, okay. And he's, and he's like, I got to get my shit back together. But I kind of Rocky Balboa this one where he's like because he's moved back into the old neighborhood essentially he's getting very nostalgic and he walks by Empire University and he walks by the bridge where Gwen Stacy was killed naturally and he goes to like revisits all these major important like touchstones in his life and he meets new people there like you know he meets Silk he's like oh hey Silk how's the spider thing going you know yeah you know it's been pretty rough on me hey can I borrow five bucks for Uh for the bus I'm kind of broke (laughs) 
And she's like, yeah, okay, sure, you can borrow five bucks. And then, you know, he runs into Spider-Man 29. And it's like, oh, hey, man, you're still hanging out in this time period. That's pretty awesome. And it's a way of, like, working in the spider characters while also making it a spider book. And eventually it all ends, too, with him, the first arc, at least, with coming face-to-face with Miles Morales. Mm-hmm. And Pete apologizes to Miles. Like, I'm sorry I was so sucked up in my own bullshit. I couldn't be a good big brother. I couldn't be a good mentor to you. If you want, I want to try and teach you at this hero thing. I want to give you all the guidance I never had when I was starting out. And that's like a touchstone thing of it, Peter being a big brother to Miles. Another thing, Pete's going to need a job, right? Because Pete has always been defined by the job he had, either you know working for that Google stand-in, being a photographer, being a teacher for a little bit. Yeah. Here's my pitch for him. Okay. Robbie comes to him and says, hey, I'm going to be retiring from the Bugle very soon. How would you like essentially the job I had when I started? How about instead of taking Spider-Man pictures now, you're buying Spider-Man pictures from other people and you're going to help run the Bugle and take it into the next generation, this printless generation. Okay. So, like, Robbie's grooming Peter the way that Peter's grooming Miles. Exactly. It's a dual fathership thing going on, and it's an excuse for him to kind of come back to the bugle and everything. I also kicked around the idea, maybe Betty runs the bugle now, and she hired Peter for Robbie's old job and says, look, I mean, we did this forever. We started at the same time, so, I mean, want to come back, you clearly need the money. Okay, because, yeah, Jameson's not working for the bugle anymore, is he? No, he's working for the fact channel. I almost thought of putting him at the fact channel, because Silk works at the fact channel, but then I'm like, a fact channel is like a Fox News stand, and I don't think Peter would be cool with that for too long. Yeah, but I love that. Peter working at the bugle, kind of like being, kind of like running, or at least being uh, an editor at the bugle. Okay. I'm down. Going, Going back to his old job, making money again revisiting all these spider characters and of course you'd work in a thing all the old villains come back because oh, yeah. don't they always Ooh, have a new guy calling himself master planner <laughs> okay and peter's like fuck the last time there was a master planner i almost got drowned and crushed under a big piece of machinery yeah gotta get to the bottom of this some asshole calling himself master planner and he'll hunt down new octavius in his young body and octavius like no it's not me i haven't been the master planner in forever yeah i'm not since uh, ends of the earth i guess yeah i'm complicated now if you find this plagiarism punch him in the face for me (laughs) (laughs) from wherever otto is yeah i don't even know where otto's gonna be at the end of secret empire because he's working for cap but it's clear he has no love for hydra Uh oh yeah no even though he's he's wearing their uniform but it's a sick suit, though. It's true. Um, okay, who's making Spider-Man? What's his, who's the creative team on that one? You know, they're, they're already getting Zdarsky for the new Peter uh, Parker Spider-Man. Yeah, spectacular. Here's the thing. I, I just finished his Star-Lord book, and it's fucking hilarious. Zdarsky gets humor and, and drama, so I think you're right. I, I would stick. That's, just keep him. That's so hard to find a writer who's good and funny and can make you laugh in a comic because funny comics are really hard to come by because, like, hearing a joke and reading a joke on the page are two totally different things. It's very true. So, yeah, I think Zdarsky would clean up on this one. I agree. Uh, any any artists that you want to see or do, should we just... Mm, who's a good artist? I mean, uh, I'd keep maybe Imminent on there. He's great. Um, he is also nice. You know, Sarah Pacelli's great. Uh, if Kevin Coley can draw Spider-Man like he drew Batman in that one. He does. I, I, I will not allow you to have Kevin Coley. I'm sorry. <laughs> Joel, we're going to fight on this one. I do sorry. not like Kevin Coley. I will not give him work. I veto him, sir. Yes, That's I'm, fine, yeah. Yeah, no, I've seen the Spider-Man. It's not great. 
his faces are weird. But, no, uh, they are weird. But that Batman looked so good, though. Oh, his Batman's great that. because he like he because he's he's you know he didn't get he didn't get tired on it. He's like, yeah, Batman, woo! Like, yeah. it's new and different. But uh, but okay, all right. So there's your there's your pillars of street. Uh, let's 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 zip through the rest of them. Uh, what what do you got for Sky? Okay, for Sky, of course, you know, I started with a team one on this one and worked out from there. You got to have the Avengers, yes. right? And again, just like Spider-Man is just called Spider-Man, the Avengers is just called the Avengers. It's the one damn team book for them. You don't got to read five other ones. No. This is the one you got to see. Yeah. Okay, who's on the Avengers? Okay, keep keeping with my theme of core members and then, you know, kind of cycling and others later, Sam Wilson will be leading this incarnation of the Avengers again. Fallout of Secret Empire. Don't worry, I have something for Steve later, actually. <laughs> okay, cool. He's leading the team. He's leading them like he does in Monsters Unleashed. You know, here's the thing, because after they found out that Steve was actually evil and Sam, you know, saved everyone, as he probably will yeah. in Secret Empire, everyone loves him now. Yeah, okay. Everyone loves him. No one's mentioning his race anymore. You don't have a bunch of evil, thinly veiled Bill O'Reilly's trying to take him down and, oh, give back the shield. Oh, so we've moved. We, we're just we're just telling superhero comics. We're not trying to like talk about how like Sam Wilson would never be given a sh fair shake in the real world. We're it, just like it, it, at least in the Avengers, we are the, the <laughs> idea. We're the idea we're going to be running with in this is like, geez, thanks, Sam. I didn't like you at first, but then you saved us from literal Nazis, so I guess you're okay now. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You saved us from a literal fascist takeover by supervillains. So I guess you're all right now. It's it's that bit from Simpsons where it's like, you know, wow, you know, you respect me now, and all it took was me saving your life. I guess if every black man could just save your life, we'd be set, huh? That's right. That's what we're going. Joining him, of course, you have a cap. You need a Thor. It's going to be Jane Foster on this one. I don't know how we're going to work out the hammer situation, but she's going to be on the team. I really liked these two together. Wade was kind of doing a thing where it's like, well, hey, maybe there's a little romance yeah. happening between these two. Because, you know, that's you got to have a little romance on your Avengers team, Absolutely. right? you got to make that one work. So, obviously, they're going to be there together. They're going to be like the den mother and father of the team. Okay, cool, cool. Is what they're going to be. Under them, it, it, it's kind of a shake-up. Those are definitely the two I wanted. Like, those those can't leave. Those are the two I want. Right. I figure put Scott Lang Ant-Man on there. He can be the comedy relief. He'll have a new movie coming out yeah, soon. Yeah, why not? All right, we'll give Scott another he, shot. Poor guy. He, he, he ain't been an Avenger in a bit, so no. why not? And, and again, they're like, hey, man, it's kind of a rebuilding period for the Avengers right now. You, like, 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 no one's mad at you yet, and we know you weren't involved in any of the Secret Empire stuff, so you're on, Scott. I can imagine him just, uh, like, Scott Lang. I think Scott Lang, the last time he was an Avenger was when he died. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that could be the joke. He's super paranoid. He's always looking over his shoulder. Yeah, yeah. And plus, with him there, you get to hang out with his family and his daughter as well, so she gets to be involved in stories sometimes. Is she Stature? Uh, was she Stature again? Because she was Stinger when she got her powers back at the end of that other series. Well, She's either Stature again or she's still Stinger. Is she on the team, or is she just kind of living there? She, she's a reserve member. She lives there. When she visits her dad, because obviously Scott Lang's a loser and he doesn't have a house. He just lives just at lives the new Avengers Mansion. They work out of Avengers Mansion. Yay, okay, cool. They took that back. They're like, look, we need a new public front now, guys. We need to actually show people, hey, we're out here. We're working for you. We're doing good. Right. Okay, so cool. So we're bringing the mansion back. Uh, the rest is a shakeup, but here's some potential ideas I had for possible members. She-Hulk, you need muscle on the team. Yep. I didn't put Banner on it because I also have a pitch for Banner later. Okay, cool. 
So she's on the team. Namor, possibly? Hmm. Okay. Namor is Namor dead or alive? I can never. He's keep alive. It uh, okay. You could. He he could be like the Hulk replacement. He was a on the Defenders with the Hulk. B That's has right. it, like a crazy amount of strength. C he's an un. Uh, he's kind of a rage filled guy himself. He's your wild card. Yeah. He's a wild card, and the guy like and he, he thinks with his dick, and he's really hard to like manage. So I can imagine him being kind of fun. <laughs> Plus, you get to keep the Fantastic Four characters alive. I also kicked around putting a Wolverine of some variety on there. Either Old Man Logan, either Wolverine is back to normal. Because yeah. Wolverine hasn't been Avenger in forever, and I think it's time again. Okay, cool. Or maybe Laura, or do you have a Laura plan for her? Uh, well, that was the thing, too. I'm like, well, do I? is there too many young people on this team? Mm. Do I want to kind of, like, spread them out? Yeah, Laura could be on it. Why not? It's like, hey, we need a Wolverine, and none of the other ones are taking our calls. <laughs> So how would you like to be an Avenger? And she's like, hell yeah. And also, here's the thing. I don't have much in the way of X-Men. I have one X-Men pitch later. Okay. But having her on the team lets you kind of be the mouthpiece for the X-Men, and we can go visit the X-Mansion and kind of see what they're up to. Be like, yeah, they're alive. They're doing shit. We're just not hearing their adventures. Yeah, that's fair. If you have one X-Men pitch, we're good, because X-Men don't need more than a book. Yeah, and that's what they're going to get. So let's hear it. All right, what's... uh, Oh, who's making this? Do you have a plan? Do you have a creative team, or should we just... Ooh, that's rough. Who, man, you know, because Avengers has been in such a weird place. I mean, I know Duggan's gonna be right in Guardians. How about Duggan? Duggan got really good with Uncanny by the end. Okay. Was he right? Did he write Uncanny Avengers? He did. Well, not the, there was like five different. Yeah, because I remember Avengers. the beginning. I think that was Remender who wrote the first part. Which he I did. I, I think he's really been hitting his stride recently in Avengers stories. Mm-hmm. I think he would be a good pull for this one, honestly. Okay. Cool. I, I I would give this one to Duggan. I think he's a workhorse and be like, hey, you're writing the Avengers. Not a Avengers. You're writing the Avengers. And there's only one Avengers book. So exactly. this is it. All right, cool. Um, what, Where do you want the Avengers to end up at the end of the year? Mm, that's a good question. I want them to win back the faith of the people in the world. Because obviously the big thing in Secret Empire is that, you know, the only reason evil Captain America was able to do all this is because they lost the faith in the superhero community yeah. because they're constantly fighting. I want this to be the end of fighting. I want Sam to break bread with all these other heroes and bring past Avengers back into the fold. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm down. All right. I mean, we got to have an Avengers book, and I think uh, I, I would love to give that a shot. So, That's all right. What's, uh, what else we got? Okay, so I remember I said I'd have a thing for Steve? Yeah. This is my Steve pitch. Once again, I'm taking a lot of reference from DC Rebirth and how they their naming conventions. My Captain America pitch is Captain America and the Agents of Shield. Okay, yeah, I think I remember. We I feel like we talked about this. That sounds good though. Captain we America and Agents of Shield. Okay. This is Steve post Secret Empire. His brain has been put back in his head. He's all right now. Yeah. And he he is basically going on a worldwide apology tour. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Please let me win back your faith in me. And like really him just kind of dealing with all these new memories that have been stuck in his head now because that's the thing about Kobeck as we found out, once she changes your history, even when you get changed back, those memories don't go away. Right. So. Those will be a part of you forever, and so we'll actually be seeing a haunted Captain America. Okay, a haunted Captain America. Um, this reminds me of an old Marvel pitch that I used to have, and uh, if you, uh, we might come back to it in a little bit if we have no plan. So keep going. Uh, so okay, who's making it? it uh, well, he, well, here's the thing. I got to talk about the Agents of Shield. Oh yeah, yeah, right, right. Too. Shield has been decimated as well after the whole Secret Empire thing. Yeah. And Cap's like, look, I was leader. I'm stepping down. 
Nick Fury Jr. or maybe Coulson. Depend you know, Coulson be fun. Coulson is now the new head of Shield. Okay. And that's the only reason he's keeping me around. No one else wanted to touch me. Nice. So we're going to be going around. We're, it's good, this is going to be the international book. It's going to mostly be about Captain America, but watching his back and also watching him in case anything should go wrong is Black Widow, Hawkeye, Bucky, Daisy, because she's on TV. Okay. Quake. Why not? Get her in there. And May and everyone else, it will be going there too. And it's like, look, we want to rebuild S.H.I.E.L.D. better than it was before is the thing. We want to actually like get rid of all this evil Maria Hill shit. But, but here's the twist, though. Maria Hill is like in a secret Black Ops S.H.I.E.L.D. prison for all the crimes she committed. Yeah. But it's a nice prison because she also found out the truth about Captain America. And they're like, you know, we can't let you go but we also can't reward you either. So they're like Hannibal lectoring her. So whenever Coulson <laughs> or Cap has a problem, they go to her sounds like, hey, Maria, what should we do in this situation? Uh-huh. <laughs> like, it, like like if you were the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., what, what would you do here? Right. Okay. And then when she gets too evil, okay, we're going to stop just, uh, just slight of that thing. <laughs> of you being too evil, we're going to stop right sight of that. Okay, I'm down for that. Cool. As, uh, Captain as, America and the Age of S.H.I.E.L.D., I like it. My idea is I'm, like, bringing together the best parts of Secret Avengers and S.H.I.E.L.D. and putting it in one. It is a Cap book, but it's him within the world of super espionage. Yeah, I like it. I'm cool. I'm down with that. Sounds good. And as far as writers, I I think the writer on this one should be obvious. Nick Spencer took the toys out of the box. He should have a chance to put it all back together. Okay. All right. He should have a chance to return to the status quo and also be like, hey, I can write a traditional Captain America 2, guys. Right. Okay. I just don't have to write crazy Hydra undercover cap. I can write a good one, yeah. too. All right. I will, I will, I'll allow Nick Spencer to write it, but I will say that this is his last year and he has to transit. He has to put them in a different place by the end of it and give it to somebody else by the end of the year. I think that's very fair. I think that's a very... And, you know, here's the... He'll probably want that, too. He's like, good, let me be done this, and then can I write something funny? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, can I be funny again, please? Um, all right, what else have we got? What, what, how many How many Sky is that? Is that two? Uh, that was two. Okay. Uh, keeping it up in Sky, we have King Thor and the world of Asgard. Oh, okay. So Odinson is back now, and as if you've been reading the Thor books... Uh, friggin' Asgard is in a state, man. There's civil war. Cole the Serpent is working for Odin again. Thor comes back and is like, no, no, all of this is wrong. This is bad. You've been giving my girl Jane trouble this whole time. I, there's war on the horizon with Malekith and everything. Asgard needs to put their best foot forward in all the realms. Okay, Dad. Okay, Odin. You win. I will be king now. Okay. But only for a year to fix all of this. All right, cool. Yeah, I'm down. And Odin's like a year. I said the same thing when I became Odin and I took (laughs) over from my dad. The power will corrupt you, son. You wait and see. I like that. Okay. Now the question is, does it? Or or is he like, or or does he feel the strain? Or is it like, yeah, where where does he end up? I think he'll feel the strain. He might be forced to kind of do a couple Thor things that he's not exactly a huge fan Mm -hmm. of. He kind of does understand Odin a little bit better at the end of the year and they kind of have like a touching father-son moment where it's like he's you're right man this job is king heavy is the head that wears the crown man i like I that i feel you i feel you dad and also too this is a way to work loki back in yeah. and i like what aaron is doing with loki now where he's like a double triple quadruple agent where you never know what side he's on that sounds good and he's like look loki man 
I know you're probably going to hate this, but you, you got to be my right hand man on this one. You got to do the shit I can't be seen doing to try and help out the realms and try and keep peace. Can you do it, Loki? Can you actually work with me on this? I like that. Okay, cool. And of course, you never know. You can't trust him. I assume Jason Aaron is writing this book. Oh, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not <laughs> Jason Aaron on this. I, I, I honestly could not think of another for it and here's the thing Aaron's teased the idea of Thor becoming king so of everything I've mentioned this is the most likely no it's true I like it King Thor and the realm of Asgard I'm down that's a good sky one um is he just fixing Asgard or is he also like doing some time on earth uh he, he well here's the thing like he wants to go back to earth he wants to hang out with the Avengers again but work keeps dragging him away from it, and that's another part of the book where it's like, am I losing the human side of myself? Am I losing the Earth side of me and just becoming full cosmic, full Asgard? Will I ever get to go back to Earth? Okay, I like that. Will I ever get to see my Avengers friends again? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like Odin's thing, too. Like, yeah, I had a lot of friends, too, before I became king, but everyone hates the boss. (laughs) That'd be cool. That's a fun way, by the way, to also, in like, in like a year, you have Thor still be king, and then Thor's like, fuck this, I need my friends around, like, I need a, I, this, this world, this realm needs Avengers, and he picks a couple of, he puts, like, Hawkeye on his, on his, like, fucking council. Yeah. Like, he's got a, he's got a couple of, like, regular people, and he's like, you're in charge of this, you're in charge of that, you're in charge of that, you're just gonna live with me in Asgard, and, like, the friction of having a Midgardian tell Asgardians what to do, like, just... That's but that's a year later. But uh, but I like that's an excellent idea. Hell, get get Hercules to come in. Look, I know he's from a different town, but he's got some good ideas. I like him. I love that idea. So yeah, doing shit on Earth. Hey Hercules, how would you like to run the army? Okay with that? (laughs) Thanks, man. Um, Yeah, I'm down for that. That sounds great. I I I was proud of that one. Yeah, you should be. That's a cool concept. And you get to split the difference, too. You get King Thor up in Asgard, and you get Jane as an Avenger. Yeah, I love it. You don't lose anything. Sounds good to me. Let's get to do interesting stuff. Cool. All right, uh, and I think you have one more left for Sky. I do. I do. This is an Iron Man pitch. I call it Iron Man the Children's Crusade. <laughs> so Iron Man gets back to his body. It's back to being Tony again. I don't know how we get there. We're probably going to get there at some point. Good. And and this coma situation, this like real near-death thing, has gotten Tony thinking totally differently about life. He's like, if I died tomorrow... What would I leave but just a ton of loose ends to right. all my friends and family? What have, what have I really bit? Oh, my God, I let my company fall to shit, the thing that has my name on it, the thing that so many of my friends and loved ones rely on. Mm-hmm. Like, they just can't put suits on and fly away, although I built many of them suits. Yeah. <laughs> so so he basically builds the little Lebowski achievers. He builds the little Tony Stark achievers. He hires uh, Amadeus Cho. He hires uh, Sam Alexander Nova, basically all the spare kids and champions we have around. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I'm going to give you all interns at Star- or internships at Stark Industries. <laughs> I, I got to be out saving the world being a CEO by day. But by night, we're going to have an Avengers Academy is what we're going to have. And I'm going to teach you kids to be superheroes. I'm going to teach you the ins and outs. I'm going to teach you it as only I, Tony Stark, can. And the kids are resisting at first. Because these kids are smart. Like, I think I think Mr. Stark is having a midlife crisis, right. guys. I think he's trying to hang out with the young kids again. I think he's trying to be cool. What do we do? Do we say it would be rude if we said no? Yeah. Uh, so they're, like, kind of there. They're like, this is uncomfortable, but I guess I'll say yes because he's awesome. 
and, and he brings back like you know Teen Abomination and all these other characters that he's kind of lost track of. Yeah. And he's like, hey, wasn't I mentoring you for a bit? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Then you went evil and forgot about me, Dick. So it's almost like Stark's own Freedom Foundation. It's it's exactly what that is. He's building a brain trust. He's building a foundation. He's trying to. Here's the thing. The big marching order of this and where I want it to be. Have the bridge be gapped and have the wounds repaired of the older generation of heroes and the younger generation. Because really, that's where Champions comes from. That's we don't trust adults anymore. Yeah, I love it. Which which is very much the millennial mindset of we don't trust our parents because they fucked up the world. Well, and also, like, Tony Stark is kind of, like, the cool uncle that the kids would like anyway, so he gets to try and, like, <laughs> so the kids would like that. <laughs> exactly. He's like, let me try, guys. Hang out, again, hang out with me for a year. Learn some shit from me. We'll have some adventures. And again, like, he takes interest in everyone. Like, one arc will be him trying to help out Amadeus Cho right. with his problems. The next week will be him trying to help out Sam Alexander. Hey, uh, Sam, what is it, lives kind of under the poverty line. Wouldn't it be funny if Stark showed up? It's like, yeah, I just gave you a bunch of money. Yeah, that'd be cool. And Sam's like, no, man, don't don't just give me a bunch of money I want to work for. Don't give me a handout, you weird white man. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry, was that weirdly racist that I said you needed help with money? Ah, for yeah. a different time, help me out. I like that. Okay. And, and then as a joke, you could also work in maybe like a dimension, a hopping version of the teenage version of Tony Stark that ran around for a bit. That'd be fun. Like, he can stop by for an arc, and the kid's like, really, this is what you were like when you were young? It's like, well, when I was old and was young again, it was a whole thing. Okay. <laughs> I'm in. So that's my pitch. That's my pitch for him. That sounds great. I love it. Cool. Where are we? Uh, that's Sky. So, cosmic. So, uh, Cosmic, yes. Uh, uh, space. Yes, Space. Space and Cosmic. All right. Now, again, starting with the Foundation team of this... They have, they're going to have probably the biggest movie next uh, in like the next couple weeks. Yeah. you got to have Guardians. Yeah, no, no, you gotta no have question. Them, but here's the thing. We're going back to the Abnet era where the Guardians are, you know, they're cool rebels and they're cool outsiders, but they're also part of a much bigger Marvel Galactic universe. And yeah. in fact, they kind of have to take a walking tour of all these different characters because uh, my idea is at the end of Secret Empire, the Guardians, uh, once again, th they really distinguish themselves. They do something really cool and everyone's like, yeah, we really respect you now, Guardians. <laughs> You're awesome heroes. And they're like, yep, we sure are. Time to go back to business as usual. Only they find out Guardians franchises are starting to pop up all over space and be like, yeah, we're the Milano 2. We're the Milano 3. And it's like, you know, characters like Moondragon and Mantis and like Puck the Space Troll and shit. <laughs> okay. Cool. All, all formed these different teams, and Peter Quill's like, whoa, 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 I did not sign off on these. Right. Who the fuck are you reporting to? And it's a big mystery of trying to find out who's starting these fake Guardians franchises. Mm -hmm. And by the end, we eventually find out, oh, it's the Guardians 3000, the original <sighs> team. And it's like, oh, well, technically you guys ripped it off from us. Yeah. So okay. We're hopping on this one. Means you get to have Yondu back in there. And then we do a twist within a twist, and you find out it's not actually the Guardians 3000s. It's the Skrulls and the Super Skrulls who are masquerading as the Guardians 3000. Okay. That's great. Is that like, that's like the cliffhanger of the, uh, of the end of the year plan? That's what it is. Oh, shit, it was actually Skrulls. They're actually trying to get Skrull agents all over the place. The Skrulls are threats again. Oh, my God. That sounds great. I'm down. And it's because the Skrulls, the last time you saw them was in Secret Invasion where they were, you know, uh, with like you know, 
a race without a country and they're just kind of yep. like fucked and they're all kind of like grounded they're on earth and this is like no it really cements them into cosmic realm you know they're space they're, they're aliens let's deal with them being in space i love it i'm down i love that it idea. also means you get a new version of super scroll who has all the powers of the guardian oh that's a great idea now that's here's a money maker right now there. here's the question is um is it's dan abnett's like world is dan abnett writing it I think it's only fair to at least offer to him. Or Geffen. Geffen had a big part in all yeah, of Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And I I'm sure offer it to those two. And I'm sure Al Ewing will have a couple of great ideas or at least help them, uh, you know, foster those concepts and be like, go for it. Just, just... Hey, hey, is Lanning still working doing art? Can we get him to draw it? I don't know. Uh, let's see. Hey, Andy Lanning, come back and draw my Guardians book, please. I hope so, man. He'd be great. <laughs> once, once again, taking pages out of the DC Rebirth thing familiar creators and artists yeah. on new projects. Yeah. Now, I will say, with your Spider-Man book, I would like to toss out this idea just because he is... I, uh, I've been seeing McFarlane do a lot of uh, different art on his website lately. Mm. I would like to just be like, just going back to street really quick, I want to have the... You know how like uh, Alex Ross is doing all the amazing covers? Oh, yeah, yeah. I want to have Todd McFarlane do the variant covers on the new Spider-Man ah. book. That that's a money maker right there, and you know it is. And just you, you, like Todd, you don't have to read the book. You don't have to know anything about it. Just draw Spider. Just just play with drawing Spider Man. I'll tell you who's in the issue if you want to if you want to do a variant cover like that that evokes what happens within the issue. But for the most part, just just have fun with it. Just play with just it. Draw what you think is cool pictures, Todd. Exactly. Just get some classic creators people really really love and see them in there. So yep. Anyway. Uh, Okay, so Guardians obviously first first leg. Um, give me a couple other ones and uh, like just like give me give me the short versions because we're we're on okay. Time. Okay, I, again, this should really have been a two part show. It's true. It? it really yeah. I didn't think about it, but I don't think people would have. I don't think people would have hung around for it that long. So uh, okay. let's 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 okay. just let's just keep it going. <laughs> okay, I'll quick these. Okay, so again, the way the winds are blowing, you even mentioned it yourself. Fantastic Four might be coming back, so obviously we need a cosmic Fantastic Four book. I call this one Life on Mars, and the deal is is that the Fantastic Four are back, but they're not ready to live on Earth yet. They build a new Baxter building on Mars, okay. where they essentially take up the job of the Ultimates of policing and monitoring the multiverse and dealing with like you know threats from the negative zone and all these other things. That's a great idea. And you get into a family drama of it where, like, Sue and Johnny, well, they're all happy to be back together. Like, well, we kind of want to go back to Earth, Reed. I mean, you know, we've been tooling around doing all this other stuff. You know, Earth's kind of our home and shit. You know, do you really do you really want to raise your kids in space? <laughs> and he's like, I mean, is it any different from what we would have done anyway? Yeah. And I that's like that. the big thing with it. And, you know, they, they fight all the classic Fantastic Four villains. Annihilus comes back. Yeah. Get now, all of it. Is Doom still a uh, a good guy? I don't know. I didn't factor Doom in a lot to these. I think by the end he has to be, though. But I want a really good reason for why Doom turns back to the dark side. I don't want it to be ham-fisted and being like, well, everything went back, so you had to go back to. I want to honor the actual development he had. Okay, I'm cool with that. Fantastic Four, who's doing it? Uh, I mean... It's, 
I don't think Hickman would do it. <laughs> I mean, I want him to, but I don't think he would do it either. But at the same time, too, do I want to wait a year for this to get good? It seems like, nah, a year's not good enough for me. No, it has to be good now. I mean, like, I would ask Hickman. Like, I definitely, like, look, we're doing different. We're doing things different, John. I promise you, you'll have a good time. But, like, at the same time, yeah, I don't. We're not, we don't have time for the long game, dude. We gotta, we gotta get this moving. <laughs> Who, who else has had really good Fantastic Four runs? Uh, I mean, like, Mark Wade did a good Fantastic Four. Um, but he's a godfather. But he's a godfather so he now, so he can't, can't be do a godfather it. and right. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a conflict of interest. It's, it's true. Uh, let's see. Oh, man. It'd be cool to... Maybe it might be cool to get... Uh, what's his name? Uh, John Byrne to come back? That's good. You know what? James Robinson didn't have a fair kick at the can yeah. when he started doing it. It felt like Marvel really stopped giving a shit about the four when his run started, so he got no support. Let Robinson come back and try it this okay. time. Okay, I'd be this down. This time with feeling. Yeah, yeah, go for it. <laughs> Give it up, James Robinson. Why not? I like that guy. He's he's doing Cable, but he should be doing my fictional Fantastic Four story. <laughs> Uh, and uh, what's the third? What's the fourth one? Uh, th- oh no, that that's, that 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 was uh, that was only the second one. Oh shit! Wow, I got I got two more, but okay, wait, okay. Want to do the villainous side of space? I got a book, Thanos and the Black Guard. Okay, yep. Thanos rebuilding the Black Quadrant of space, becoming the tyrant again. It's a rags to riches story. His son beat the crap out of him in his own book, and now Thanos is hungry like he's never been before. He's gonna crawl his way back to the top on like a mountain of bones and shit. Okay, I like it. I mean, like we gotta address Thanos anyway. People are gonna want to read about him because he's a cool character, and also he's like, you, you're not gonna be able to get away with it, go, get away from him for the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So why not? Yeah. You can invent new Black Order members, or you can bring back guys, but I think he killed Corvius Glaive, and yeah, I he think did. Uh, Black Swan and everyone else is dead. Okay, new team. He's also recruiting a new team. He's like, I need to find the vilest, most hate-filled beings in the universe to stand by the side of Thanos. Okay, and what is his, uh, what is the, what is the plan? Where does it go? Rebuild his empire, get Lady Death back interested in him, and yo, find that Infinity Gauntlet again. Oh my god, you're gonna bring it back, you're gonna have him be like, let's do the, let's do the Infinity Gauntlet again? He's like, I was so close that last time, I bet I could do it again, and you know, we time it with Infinity War too. Oh, totally. Yeah. Don't totally retread it, but say, you know, Thanos is like, you know what, if I get these other two things done... I think I need a good scavenger hunt is what I need. Yeah, that's that Thanos at his best is always looking for something. <laughs> it's true. It's true. He needs to look for something again and that's what he's going to look for. Yeah. Um and who's making that book? Mm, you know, Jeff Lemire is doing a really say. mean Thanos right now. Yeah. He's mostly writing his son, but he does like the dad pretty good. Yeah. I'd give that to him. Or, you know, Hey, Christopher Priest did a lot of cosmic stuff, and yeah. he's writing a wonderfully bastardish Deathstroke right now. Chris Priest would be cool, too. I'm down for that. What kind of would... art we're looking for? Mmm, that's good. Because, you know, obviously, you know, uh, hey, is Sorrentino doing anything? Because if we get no. him here, let's get Sorrentino to do a Thanos book. Completely. Okay, yep, greenlit, done, that's happening. <laughs> Everyone looks creepy and monstrous, there you go. Yeah, I love it. Uh, my last cosmic pick here, Captain and Mrs. Marvel, or Marvel Core. I haven't thought of a good name for that one yet, but basically it's Carol Danvers trying to repair her relationship with Miss Marvel, being like, you know, after this Secret Empire thing, after everyone hating me after Civil War II, I realize life is short, and you you need to be 
the person to take up my mantle when I'm gone. I'm not saying I'm going to die tomorrow, though maybe I am. I don't know. But yeah. <laughs> okay. I want you to come work with me on Alpha Flight. I want to be more active in your life. I want to be your mentor now. This is like a work study program is yeah. what this is. And Kamala's like, okay, but you know, I can't leave my life in Jersey behind. So she's feeling the pull between that, you know, like this is my destiny, but this is my life. And how do I cover these two things? Right. Yeah. So she's having Spider-Man problems where Carol Danvers is like, you know, looking to the future. Right. Exactly. No, I love it. Okay. Um, Captain she and Willow. Ms. Marvel. I don't know. I, I might have to... We have to tweak that title, but I like we, it a lot. We gotta workshop the name. Maybe Marvel Core. Marvel Core sounds cool. I take Marvels as well. Oh, um, Marvels is good, too. Because then, hey, you can have a story where, again, Marvel comes back and all the other Marvels that you missed, you have stories working on them being like, Carol being, I just don't want you to learn from me, Kamal. I want you to learn from all of these people. Yeah, they could go... They could look up uh, Monica Rambeau and get her in mm -hmm. there. <laughs> we, we are a rich lineage, but people care about us yeah exactly no i'm like, down like, like really stretch the legacy of legacy right yeah precisely like actually build it the way dc does because obviously legacy is one of the best things about the dc universe marvel has it but they'll forget about it for huge chunks yeah um okay and that's that's space that's space for you uh what about supernatural Okay, so obviously the main team of the Supernatural universe, because every, every tier gets a team, mm -hmm. it's got to be the Midnight Suns. Yeah. <laughs> you got you got to bring them back. The lineup is Doctor Strange, who will also be getting his own book on top of this, because he deserves it. Okay. M Moon Knight, who they've been moving into a more supernatural Ooh. direction, so we're going to stretch the Mr. Knight aspect. He's the Batman of the team. <laughs> okay. Ghost Rider, but it's Robbie Reyes. And the reason it's Robbie Reyes is because no one can find Johnny Blaze. And I got a, I got a graphic novel pitch for that. Okay, okay. Also, Elsa Bloodstone is going to be a Midnight Sun now. All right. Because she's a monster hunter. And finally, going old school, Morbius, there's your Fab Five. Wow. All right. And that's and, uh, that's the Midnight Suns? What, what is it? Yep. Yeah. They're cool. dealing with... They're dealing with ghosts and, like, you know, demons and all sorts of crazy shit. And this is Doctor Strange being like, you know what? There was such an influx of evil energy after Black Bolt used the Darkhold in New York City. Yeah. Evil is on the rise now. And also, the Darkhold went missing after uh, after Secret Empire, so we got to track that book down. Okay. So, yeah, there's a couple of things that are missing. In fact, make it a fetch quest, too. Make it someone tore out a bunch of pages and they just flew everywhere, so now the team's gotta <laughs> they go. They gotta collect all the pages. Make it very anime. Make it like, we gotta get the seven dragon balls, we gotta get the <laughs> shoot-on shards, we gotta get the pages of the Darkhold back, and it's just, like, corrupting everyday people and it's making evil shit happen. Okay. So that's my Midnight Suns pitch. Nice, nice. All right. Then Doctor Strange gets his own book. I don't know what I would do for Doctor. I feel like I need to talk to Tiffany on this one. I feel she has a million good. I pitches. think so. Let me let me see if she's available really quick. Tiffany, are you around? We uh we had a good pitch, didn't we? Where he gets a daughter, right? Oh yeah, that was my my old pitch for Doctor Strange was that he uh he's that after House of M, we realize like my old pitch for Doctor Strange, we're doing a Doctor Strange pitch. We need one. So, uh, what we're thinking about is uh. My original pitch was, this is a long time ago, that House of M, everybody got what they wanted. And what we never really got to see Doctor Strange and what he wanted. Originally, we just see him as like a psychiatrist or something, which is because Bendis mm. doesn't know who Doctor Strange is. And <laughs> so uh, we have 
we go back to reality, back to our reality, we're at the Sanctum, and, like, this teenage daughter, this teenage girl shows up on a doorstep, and she's like, you're my dad. And he's like, oh, no, you're not. And she's like, no, I am. And they're like, you were a psychiatrist and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, when Doctor Strange created the bubble along with Emma Frost, uh, her psychic bubble, to protect the heroes from the white event that made every, not the white event from, like, you know, next, or New new World or whatever, but... uh, Mm -hmm. When the world went white and changed everything back to the way it was, that Doctor Strange subconsciously protected her as well and pulled her in to it. this world. And but he doesn't remember that he has a daughter. So like Doctor Strange suddenly has to like take care of this teenage daughter that is technically his, but from another reality. So he like doesn't feel obliged, but he does feel obliged because he's like because everyone's looking at him like you're a dick. Like you have all the makings of an absentee father, and it's all your fault because you were a single dad in that universe and you create and you literally like willed her into existence so you got to do something about that also it's kind of like a play on the fact that like he was responsible for like unmaking wanda's children who were willed into existence yeah. so it's kind of like he's a, he's a hypocrite but that was my oh, old oh, oh, idea oh, oh, we'll be seeing from scarlet witch later don't you worry oh okay in but, my thing beyond I, I love the idea of dr strange becoming a dad having to deal with dad problems because he's been kind of like a freewheeling and dealing guy with his brownstone in new york and his personal manservant i'd love to see that get topsy-turvy of now he's got to care for a kid yeah like dr strange go to pta meetings dr strange picking up gr- like taking his daughter to the prom T- dr strange having to like deal with feminine hygiene products at the store like it's just you can borrow all the best stuff from venture brothers with yeah. dr orpheus tiffany hates this idea so much and she's just shaking her head at me do you have a better we're, dr strange pitch joke of, of the character she likes tiffany tiffany says she's too close to dr strange to be able to to come up with like a good Doctor Strange pitch, but I think I, there is one in there, and I'm guarantee you we'll have to hear about it later. But. <laughs> I, I I I feel that because I feel the same way about Green Arrow. They're like Joel, pitch a Green Arrow yeah, idea. Like, oh. I can't. I love him too much. It would just be a giant fan wank. Is all it. It's would true. Be. No, I asked uh, what's it called. I asked uh, the Bard. Actually, I was like, you gotta like we could work, we could pull some strings, and we could probably get you to write an issue of Dread. And he was like, oh no, I I can't write I can't write Dread. No 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 no. Like it's because he's too close to Judge Dredd, too. So I think the I'd people be worried be I'd ruin it. Yeah. But, uh, now, but anyway. Uh, after Doctor Strange, Blade. It's time for Blade to come back. Blade should come back. We we almost got a female Blade, but then that went to nothing. Well, hey, I think that should be the thing of this. Blade, well, I mean, I guess if Doctor Strange has a daughter, we can't recycle the same daughter thing for Blade. Be like, hey, you might have a kid you didn't know about. Ooh, Okay. And he goes on a quest to being like, well, I don't remember having a kid. Why don't I remember? What happened to my memory? What in my adventures may have led to this moment? And it would just be like a cool book of him fighting vampires and stuff. <laughs> as you've noticed, as you've noticed, I don't have a Deadpool pitch, at least not in any of these. I have a Deadpool pitch later on. Make this like the cool action-y one of the supernatural thing. And, you know, you can bring in all sorts of vampire lore and supernatural stuff to it if you want. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um... Shit, we're almost done with the with the supernatural world, aren't we? Yep, I got one last one, and this is the one I'm the most proud of. Okay, let's hear it. Scarlet Witch opens a paranormal detective agency, right? Because she ain't seeing eye to eye with the uh, mutant community anymore because they don't have books in my thing. Right. She needs a partner, though, for this. Someone who's good at stuff, someone who can get in and out. And her partner for this turns out to be Vision. Oh. <sighs> 
<laughs> Vision and Scarlet Witch Detective Agency, them kind of repairing their relationship and being like, you know, you know, we were lovers once. We had this complicated history. Definitely, definitely, kind of pay reference to what Tom King did in his Vision book. Yep. But but have them have like crazy paranormal stuff because like the Vision is so advanced, he might as well be paranormal. And it's kind of like a hey, you got science fiction in my horror story. Right. That's true. You, uh, you do straight up shit like that. You make it. You make it like Hellblazer. They get into Hellblazer stuff every week. Okay, I'm down for that. Um, and maybe by the end of the year, they decide if they want to get back together or not, or if that's just, you know, not going to happen. Yeah. Can we have Gabriel Walter draw it, since he drew the vision? <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a beautiful book. He sure can. Yeah. Um, God. Okay. Then there we go. Uh, now, we're, okay, we talked about how... You had a couple of pitches that we haven't actually come up yet, but this is these are the this is the lineup for the month to month Marvel publishing line. At least for the first year. Now remember, the concept here is that we're not gonna do uh, just because they have a year's worth of stories doesn't mean that they're gonna keep going. Like yeah. some characters could drop out and have to like be re- be replaced or changed out. So um, you know the doctor or the uh, I'm sorry the. Uh, the Midnight Suns, they can only have a year's worth of stories in them, and then you have to swap them out for something else, or we have, True. like, a better concept. But let's get into the graphic novels that you had pitches for. Yes. So, as you can see, I didn't show much love to X-Men no. in my, like, monthlies. But here's the thing, because I think they should clean up in graphic novels. I also think they need to be rehabbed in graphic novels a little bit. Yeah. So the first one I'm pitching is X-Men Year X, and the idea is is that it's the Earth-1 but for X-Men stories. That's the let's draw from every piece of continuity from the movies and the cartoons <laughs> and the video games and let's go back to the start so, and let's try and make it better. So like uh, All-Star X-Men. Yes. Cool. It's absolutely All-Star X-Men. <laughs> we won't... Hey, 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 is Morrison free? Can Morrison come back for this? Oh, I don't know. Does that... <laughs> okay, you know what? Grant Morrison might just say yes to that, so... Uh, if you want Grant Morrison to write your all-star X-Men book and call it, uh, what was it, Year of X? Or Year X. Year X, X-Men Year X. Okay. Greenlight, I, I, we got to have, have an X-Men book. X-Men book. <laughs> you, you do, and here's the thing. Get it back to the way it is and the idea that this is a hit, then the next year we come out with, like, X-Men Year X-I and so on and so forth, and you build up from there, and, like, you jump ahead a couple years and you actually get to see them grow up and mature and maybe eventually come back to where we are now and maybe fix some shit that went wrong around uh, along the way. Like, Cyclops becoming evil. Yeah. Maybe fix that shit. Maybe actually do something with it instead of just half-ass it along the way. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, we gotta have an X-Men book, and that sounds pretty good to me. Another X-related book for my second one, Deadpool Kills the Multiverse. This is Deadpool <laughs> going through the Marvel multiverse, so he ends up in 1602. He ends up in the Wild West universe. He ends up in the Ultimate Universe. This is my way of backdooring the Ultimate Universe back into existence right. just for Deadpool to fuck around <laughs> in. Mm-hmm, just for him to kill them. And also to imply, yeah, Richards fixed the universe and the multiverse, so these places are fine and they're out there. Wait for Deadpool to go and fuck them up a little bit. Okay, that sounds cool. That's my pitch for that. I also have, here's my banner Hulk one, Hulk going green. Mmm... The idea here is that Bruce Banner has found himself back to life. He has no idea how he's back to life, and that's, like, scaring the shit out of him. It's because probably the greatest Hulk villain of the last ten years, Doc Green, made it so. This is a long con by Doc Green, 
who was himself yet another evil personality within the Hulk of which he's battled before. Because if you remember, there was a big, like, missing chunk between the end of the Doc Green saga and the beginning of uh, Secret Wars. Yeah. We're going to go back, we're going to fill that void, explain what happened, and then by the end of it, all the Hulk characters that got depowered, so, you know, Rick Jones and, uh, what is it, Betty and her dad and everything, mm-hmm. the Hulks will all be back by the end of this. Okay, cool. We're putting it back. I, I would offer this one to Duggan as well, because I feel <laughs> there was so much of that story left he never got to tell, and that it was going to be really cool, but they secret wars did out of existence. Mm. And you didn't, uh, you, you're not going to give it to Greg Pak, huh? <laughs> I like Pac, but I like Duggan a little bit more. Duggan is my generation's Hulk writer. There you go. See, my generation's Hulk writer is Peter David, which I don't know if I could give it to him. Nah, not today. Well, it's funny. They imply that Doc Green might be the larval stage of the maestro. That makes sense. If you give him that idea, Peter David will be like, I accept. Oh, yeah, no. He would would take that pitch in 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 a heartbeat. In a minute. Uh, the other one I have for graphic novels, Ghost Rider in Hell. Okay. The I Remember I said Johnny Blaze was missing and no one knows where he is? Yes. It's because he's in hell being forced to race demons for the amusement of Beelzebub himself. So it's like, uh, what's it called? Ghost Riders from Secret Wars where like they had to do that the, the, the death race thing? It's exactly like that. And in fact, the devil begins to get a little bored with just Johnny Blaze. He's like, bring me more Ghost Riders for my amusement. (laughs) And it's a way you can work in all these different Ghost Riders. And eventually they start messing with Robbie. And they have to stage an escape out of hell. I just like the idea of Ghost Riders in hell. Get get, get a good spawn team on there for that one. Because that's basically what I'm riffing on right Mm -hmm, here, right mm -hmm. now. Okay. So, like, maybe we could call Greg Capullo to take a break from, uh... (laughs) From, uh... Uh, what's Image in DC and uh, come on by making the sickest tattoo book you've ever seen it's true yeah no question they're in hell and they're racing and and again it's a way to get Danny back in the fold like Danny Catch and like Alejandra yeah Carter Slade yeah all these other ghost riders who haven't been relevant in a while again it's a way to pay homage to the legacy and say yes these characters still exist they know each other they kind of matter maybe they'll pop into each other's lives and if people like this maybe this can go into a Johnny book yeah that'd be cool yeah all of these yeah most of these can actually also be backdoor pilots for series that could be brought out into into the next like years worth of planning 100 percent your your magical pitch book was eerily similar to a tiffany pitch book which i'm going to toss out there as an alternate just in case that doesn't work out um this one is a never mind i'm not allowed to talk about it so uh (laughs) no 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 it's too good no it's too good i gotta keep it internal so um from there that's the concept like that's the that's the idea is we just we just focus on some like pillars of the marvel universe and then give them their time in the sun and uh, and and kind of explore where it can come from and, and explore like the the possibility to that uh like th- th- that can be done from there you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's just a concept that uh you know it, it's it's not the most uh, like i said it was not field tested we did not put this through a simulation we're just kind of like Tossing out ideas and seeing if that would be something that people would want to see. I think it turned out great. I was quite proud of myself, if I may tip my hat to myself. Oh, yeah, no. You have, like, I, I 
I, I challenged you to come up with 16 books plus some extra uh, graphic novels, and you you met you met that freaking challenge, no question. Apparently, I do my best work at three in the morning while waiting for videos to render. Right, right. <laughs> That's that's my thing. Now, did, did you have anything else you wanted to add on? No, I. You know, it's funny. I like all of these, but uh, I I can't really argue with any of them. Um, and plus, I was so focused on making sure that this was like kind of watertight that I didn't want to uh, like I just couldn't come up with any ideas. I was just like <laughs> I'm just like I just want to make sure that the damn thing works as opposed hmm. to like coming up with books that I want to see happen. Um, but maybe we'll do this in the reverse sometime and come back to it and be like, all right, Marvel still didn't do our idea, so here's some more books that we want to do. <laughs> Year two do of Marvel Foundation, you know? There you go. I but, like uh, it. But, you know, let us know in the comments, do you want to see Year two of Marvel Foundation? Yeah or nay? Uh, let us know. Yeah, but, the chat keeps saying, but what about the Inhumans and what about Morlon? Yeah. Morlon can show up in, like, he can be like a brief villain for the Midnight Suns to fight because he's magical in nature. And the Inhumans will hang out with the Fantastic Four. Like I said, they'll meet everyone who ever started out. That's the thing, is that, like, the Inhumans are just basically fanta fa uh, Fantastic Four, uh, what's it called, uh, supplemental characters anyway. Like, let them move to Mars. Like, Attil New Attilan, new, new, new Attilan can be on mm. Mars and just put them over there. They're the next-door neighbors to the Baxter buildings. Hi, neighbor. Boom, there Hi. you go. Like, that's how, like, you know, uh, and of course, like, because of the Human Torch's weird relationship with the Inhumans, um, we could have that be, like, a sort of, a, a, a source of contention for them. Hey, Johnny, why do you keep looking the other way every time Medusa comes out to check the mail? I, I, I may have had a relationship with her while you guys were gone, and I think Black Belt's going to kick my ass if he sees me again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that guy, but he can, like, destroy universes by whispering. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. So, there you go. That's a great place to just kind of shove the Inhumans. I would not give them a book. I would just <laughs> let them be in the Fantastic Four book. I, I feel like I should have given something for Black Panther, too, because he, he has a movie coming out. I wrote for the graphic novels Black Panther Blood Diamonds, but that was just a title, and I have no idea where that's going to go. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I've title I throw that out to someone else you think of it. Yeah, right? Go for it. Something with Black Panther, something with Blood Diamond. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all I got. Yeah. He, he has a team book now, Black Panther, Black Panther and the Crew. Yeah. Is that true? Yes. Oh. Came out last week. Oh shit. It's him, Luke Cage, Misty Knight and Storm. Okay. You see Marvel's other big problem of not advertising books? Yes. <laughs> That's a huge issue. I like uh, what's it called? Jacob's idea, blood vibranium. <laughs> hey, that's, that's that's better than my. See, Jacob, you're an idea man. You'll go far in this organization. <laughs> the funny thing is, it doesn't roll off the tongue. Blood diamonds, that's a thing. Blood vibranium, meh. But uh, but I like the concept of taking the idea of blood diamonds, but applying it to vibranium. In any case, that's it. Like, can, so the question that we asked ourselves is, can we fix Marvel? Can we save it? And I think, yes, but at the core of our ideas, it requires a fundamental shift, a big idea and a big, uh, big shake-up, basically shaking Marvel to its foundations, if you will, in order to make these kinds of ideas change. I don't know. Most it's, a, it, it's a weird world, 
And, uh, you know, stranger things have happened, who knows? But I will say that, like, this is just a thought exercise. It's not uh, hubris, it's not some expectation of us to say, you know, it's gotta... We're, we're gonna get this idea come, like, you know, pro- brought out eventually. No, it's just we're, just... we're just trying out new ideas. It's, it's, a, it's a thought exercise. It's a, thought it's a creativity exercise. exercise. Is there something... Is there... Are these the kinds of things that would, that would resonate with audiences new and old alike? And sure resonate think, with me. Yeah, right? I think so. I think that people would buy it. And I think that the right people would buy it. Because, like, while I don't think you could apply this kind of idea, this kind of fa- uh, a publication plan to Marvel 20 years ago, you could mm. definitely do that in a world where you're supplemented. Where you oh, are yeah. owned by a parent corporation. It doesn't really matter, like, if your company makes money or not. As long as it, it makes ideas. <laughs> They are the house of ideas. You know, it it hit me just now. If we do do year two, we should also get a digital division going because I'm pretty sure digital is the future anyway. Why why does Marvel not have a Marvel Capcom comic the same way that DC has their Injustice? I don't know. That seems like a slam dunk. You use the exact same model, be bold-faced in your stealing of it. I'm sure it would make a lot because there's a lot of Capcom fans out there who I'm sure would buy it just to be completionist. Also, Squirrel Girl, I think, would clean up in a good little digital. Like a lot of more comedy characters who would do really good in digital, really target the people who don't normally read comics week to week. Do do one-and-dones that are satisfying in digital formats. I didn't get to talk about the digital arm, and I think there are some great ideas there that could be something like i think that there should be a huge digital arm of, of marvel that we just didn't get a chance to, to touch that's and better than infinity i hate reading infinity is just, just a stupid it's just it's just a waste it um, is but i like the idea behind making digital exclusive content i mean like just there needs to be marvel web comics there needs to be marvel digital exclusive comics there needs to be pilot comics pilot series that are yes. available only exclusively through digital that eventually become print maybe like I, it's just kind of what the hell like you know it just needs to these are ideas that need to be done definitely agreed so yeah uh, that's what we got. Uh, that's the show, everybody. Thanks a lot for watching. <laughs> uh, Joel, what's going on in Cape Joel that everybody can enjoy to, and uh, look forward to checking out today, tomorrow, and I guess uh, Friday? The future. Uh, well, yeah. I'm sure later tonight I will be uploading my uh, review of The Button, Flash number 21, or is it 22? 22. Uh, Batman 20. Batman 21, Flash 21 as well. Oh, okay, yeah. That will be coming out on the channel later tonight. Uh, you can also listen to the newest episode of the Comic Multiverse that Matt and I did. It's funny, after we did our weekly poll thing, because uh, I did it like the week before, I yeah. did more th- of calling Hydra Nazis, and a bunch of people were quite upset at me in the comment section, so I had to do the, no, 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 I record this show before that one, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, but hey, if you like that, and if that's not a total turnoff for you, also probably tomorrow I'm going to put it out. I got a 40-minute road to in-depth explanation for Secret Empire. I go into all... All the different little side stories and try and explain as much of the minutia as possible. I talk for 40 minutes. Uh, indispensable for if you want to get your bearings on where the hell Secret Empire is coming from. There's a lot of minutia. And here's the thing. A lot of sites when they talk about, like, here's what you need to know. Most of them actually get the start wrong. Most of them say, oh, well, it happened in Sam Wilson, Captain America. No, it happened in Nick Spencer's Secret Avengers in 2010. This is a seven-year-in-the-making event. Yeah. 
holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's been planting the seeds in that one for a long time. And a lot of the characters from his Secret Avengers run, uh, like uh, Taskmaster, Black Ant, Maria Hill, are important in this now. Yeah, that's really cool. Uh, well, over here on Comic Pop, you can check out right now the episode of Back Issues that was in that was in just in time for Alien Day. Uh, we did the original Aliens versus Predator, and uh, it's a whole lot of fun. It's a great conversation. And if you watch and you give us your suggestions, I think by tomorrow or something like that, it's, it says it in the end of the episode. Check it out. Um, yeah, what's it called? Uh, we uh, we have a little contest, so give us your ideas and try it out. Uh, it'll be fun. You'll you'll enjoy it. And this episode, because we released uh, back issues early, so that it would coincide with Alien Day, this episode will be available sooner than later. So instead of Friday, it'll probably be out on on, on Thursday. So check it out, um, and we'll see you guys next time. Of course, I am Sal, and of course, check out Joel over Cape Joel, and we'll see you guys next week. So long, everybody. Bye bye.